You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on the Legal Talk Network. This is Jason Marsh, and I'm a digital marketer, and I'm also the chair of the Legal Marketing Interest Group for the Law Practice Division. Today's show is being recorded on location during the ABA mid-year meeting at George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston, Texas. We're here to cover the event and its highlights for you, our listeners. Joining me now is Michael Downey from St. Louis, Missouri. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Michael, a bunch of things I want to try to cover with you this morning. Um, first off, you put out a book for the ABA uh, back in 2010. That's correct, yes. I, I'm the author of the book, Introduction to Law Firm Practice, and it was originally designed as a book that would help young lawyers know how to navigate a large law firm or a medium-sized law firm. How are they, they going to be paid? How will they be compensated? What does it actually mean to make partner? And also, how will they develop their business? And so, the book is sort of divided into four parts, and it's actually based on material that I use to teach a class at Washington University. School of Law in St. Louis. Wow, that's awesome. And so now, t- so tell me a little bit, too, about your, your your bigger role within the Law Practice Division for the ABA. Sure. I'm the immediate past chair of the of the Law Practice Division, which means that I was chair in the 2013-2014 year. And then as, as the past chair, so so there's there's pre-chair, there's chair, there's yes. past chair, there's a lot of chairing going on. What is the past chair's role, sure. immediate well, past chair? The, the, the track for becoming chair is actually four years long. The person who's elected secretary usually becomes the vice chair. The vice chair becomes the chair-elect. The chair-elect becomes the chair. And then for the next year after that, you become the immediate past chair. You serve on the executive committee. And I think you're sort of presumed to be like the old wise person. The reality is you get to go to the meetings and nobody really cares what you have to say. So it's kind of (laughs) nice. Okay, great. And so 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 once you get in as secretary, does that mean at some point you're going to be the chair? So if you want to be the chair, that's the starting point. That is always. But I'm not aware of any time when that didn't happen. We did have a contested election a few years ago for the vi- for the vice chair position, but usually okay. once you start the trail, it pretty well carries through. And I, sh- I should also add, actually, I'm still the ethics committee uh, chair within the division as well. All right. Well, let's talk. I want to talk to you about some of the the marketing ethics. Yes. Tell me about that and what that means for the the. the sure. Well, the first thing I would say often is lawyers really wonder what can you do to market. And I'll have lawyers who will come up to me and say, "What can I do to market my practice?" And I say to them, "Honestly, you can do almost everything. There are a couple of things you can't do. You can't pay people to refer business to you. You can't use what we call runners. Have people go out and approach strangers and say, "Hey, will you will you be rep- represented by my?" the lawyer who's employing me, you can't go out and, and you can't in-person solicit strangers, typically, if it's a, for, a for-profit engagement. But beyond that, you can really do almost anything. So I usually say back to the lawyer, you tell me what you want to do, and then we can tweak it so that what you want to do will comply with your rules. And what type of, what size firm are we talking? Is this across the board or, or It more really is across on? the board. I, I do review of advertisements for some larger firms, um, you know, firms with 100 lawyers or so, where they'll just run things by me to make sure there are no problems. And then it goes all the way down. I help solos and small firm lawyers. And the interesting thing is, for the larger firms, a lot of what they're doing, they don't even think is regulated, which is not really even true. It is regulated, and sometimes they stumble because they pay less attention. For the smaller firms, for particularly the plaintiff's firms, they they know they're really being scrutinized, and it's often because other plaintiffs' lawyers will file complaints against them. Right. So they're often very careful about the content of their. And now, is this and so so the main purpose here is to not run afoul of whatever specific state they're in and the, the bar rules and and ethics regulations. Exactly. Although, frankly, sort of going along with you know a, a good lawyer advises their client on their business. When I do review advertisements, I always try to make sure that I also look at them. Is it a good advertisement? Is there something they could do more effective? As well as is it ethical? And I think, frankly, it's kind of the fun that I have with my clients is that I try to make their business better as well as make sure they're complying with the rules. Yeah, well, that, that's a, that seems like an important 
balance. Now, what about the online space? You know, how how is the as the online space grown? How has that changed the way? Uh, you know, bars have, you know, addressed that. Sure. It, it creates a lot of questions. I mean, the interesting thing that has happened is, and the rules were pretty recently reviewed by the American Bar Association, what was called the ABA Commission on Ethics 2020. And they looked and said, how many changes do we really need to make with the rules to, to account for new technology? And the answer they came back with was there was some need for some tweaks. But often what we do with the rules now is we look at what you can do online and say, what is it like? Well, you know, if it's a website that's passive where someone has to go and visit it, well, that's kind of like a billboard or a ad- magazine advertisement. If it's something that's going to go out and reach out and contact someone, like a text message or an email, well, that's akin to a phone call. And so, you know, those are the types of things with regulations that we look at is it's often sort of what is it like? Um, that having been said, the things that really create interesting space with online advertising for lawyers or online marketing for lawyers is the lack of jurisdiction that a lawyer, a lawyer in one place who posts something on the Internet can be contacted by anybody in the world. And frankly, the second thing is, and that it lasts forever, um, okay. the pervasiveness. And the other thing is it's very easy to change. And for a lot of states, they want you to file your advertisements. Well, if it should it sh- be reviewed exactly. and then approved. And- well, and even just sort of preserved. And, of course, you know, if it's your blog, you know, I may do a blog post today and I may add one tomorrow. And then I realize, you know, I want to tweak something on the one I did yesterday. So I'm going to go back and tweak it. Well, do I have to keep three copies of my blog because I've made those three changes? And it, it, it can get a little right. excessive. Yes, that, that definitely doesn't make sense. So you've been, you've been featured and, and written articles in, what, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Wallblog? Yeah, I've, I've been interviewed by, frankly, a lot of publications, and, uh, including the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, Wallblog, uh, the ABA Journal. I also publish, I'm a, a regular ethics columnist for the National Law Journal, for Litigation Magazine, and also for Law Practice Magazine. So, so tell me how this came about, because I think that's something that lots of lawyers out there, whatever their practice area might be, would love to find sure. out, how do I get featured in the New York Times? How do I get a Wall Street Journal reporter calling me up asking for my opinion? Sure. You know, honestly, some of it is truly like, you know, planting a lot of seeds and see what see what grows. It's sort of like seeking clients. Um, you know, if you do one thing only, you may really miss out. I was fortunate with the uh, New York Times. I actually got a call while on vacation because of a blog that I was involved in. Um, and actually, it was kind of funny because that then caused me to be on NPR's Talk of the Nation, and they kind of shifted the topic, so I wasn't quite the expert I was for the New York Times article, but I wasn't really going to chase off the opportunity to be on NPR. But was the foundational part of that the fact that you were writing a blog, that you were just putting your expertise out there? Exactly. They, they were looking for someone that knew about, uh, actually, I think it was actually lawyers getting in trouble with online marketing activities, and they went looking and found our blog and called me. So, so and, yeah. and you know, it was, and that was that was wonderful. Also, I mean, frankly, I have a lot of reporters that have learned. They call me, I call them back, I try to answer their questions. I'm willing to give them the background on things. Uh, I'm kind of willing to tell them, you know, this is really why this may be significant or not. Um, and so I, th- I try to help them write the stories. And that's what they need, right? They need resources. They need people to help them understand more complex topics. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting. I, I was fortunate enough. I actually did media training, which I think a lot of lawyers don't think about. It's helped me represent clients. I represent a lot of clients. and how, I, I, I represent lawyers who are in trouble. And there are legal newspapers that cover lawyers in trouble. So I have a lot of clients. Media training. Where, where, does, where do you do that? I actually did it through a marketing company. And it was a, it was a one day. I, I was involved in a big case as a, as a very young lawyer. And we decided we needed our spokesperson for the company to be involved. 
okay. uh, in media training. And the media training company said, we can do one person or we can do five people for just a little bit more. And the firm said, we'll pay for the extra four people. And I was number four. I was the, the most junior person who got trained. <laughs> just made the cut. Exactly. You know, another day and I would have missed. But anyway, and it was great training. And, and it really, the nice thing was it taught me what are reporters looking for? And things like, you know, to understand if, if you get a call from a reporter to say, hey, um, you know, what's your deadline? So I can get back to right. you by the deadline. That's an important one. I've had another. And also try to find out kind of what their questions are. And then you may need to say, you know, I can't talk to you right now, but let me actually do some research on your topic and come back to it. So then I'm much better prepared for the interview, which is wonderful. And I'm sure they appreciate that. Yes. Right? So, so this, this, I think, paints a bigger picture for you is, is in, in talking to you both now and, and, of course, off mic. It seems to me you've become a master marketer in your own right, uh, and, and you're moving from a very large practice to now your own practice. Yes. Tell me about that, the experience of, of your own, but I know you've been marketing yourself for a long time, even when you were with sure. a bigger firm. Actually, one of my favorite articles I ever wrote was, was originally titled, "Building uh, The Secret to Happiness at a Law Firm, Building a Portable Book of Business. And one of the things I really emphasize to all lawyers is, if you can build yourself a niche and become known in that niche and have clients that look to you to provide legal services, it will give you political power within your firm. It will give you the ability to say, you know what, I'm not happy here. Um, and so I've really worked for years on sort of building my practice and focusing on that and frankly trying to encourage others to do it. So the key, it sounds to me, is like really focusing on that niche yes. and being the guy when it comes to that versus what I think you, know, you see a lot of lawyers doing is so much opportunity out there, they want to tap into all of it and they become very diluted in terms of just call it their personal brand. Absolutely. And, and frankly, they're afraid to say no to things. And, and I think the interesting thing is it's really actually nice for me. I don't have to always be marketing. I can go into a room, and if I know there are no lawyers in the room, frankly, I don't have any real potential clients. I'm not going to be jerks to people, you know, but I don't have to be on. When I come to the American Bar Association meeting, you know, particularly when I'm about to start a new firm, I have to be on. Right. And, and I know that, and it's nice to know when I can be kind of off and on. You know, I can go to my kid's soccer game and not feel like I've got to be the lawyer who's ready to get a case. That's, at a, that's a great point, right? Because if you're focusing on a million different areas, wherever you are, you feel like there's opportunity, so you have to be on, and you can never shut yes. it off. And, and, you know, I do a lot of writing and speaking, but I also, every day, there are certain blogs that I check out to stay up on legal ethics matters. There's certain, you know, papers. There are a couple of websites that I view literally almost daily, if not daily. And that and you can't do that if you're trying to cover 15 areas yeah, of law. That, yeah, that's so, that, that's a great point. I think okay. it's a huge advantage. I want to give you a quick plug here. Sure. You, you, you've just, uh, you, and I'm going to let you say it because okay. I'm going to probably oh, sure. muddle it up. But tell me what it was. Oh, the, the award, yes. Well, and, and one of the sort of the nice impacts of this, you know, with being involved in the ABA and doing a lot of other things was last year I was named the go-to legal ethics council in Missouri by Missouri Lawyers Weekly. And uh, it's another one. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It, it's a great thing. And, and frankly, it's a wonderful thing to have when I'm building my own practice and I want to say to people, hey, you know, I'm not just some guy who might be able to help you. I'm actually someone who's who's been recognized. So there's huge credibility to do that. Now, is that something you also recognize to lawyers or or would, would recommend rather get out there, get involved with your local bar associations, you know, try to be recognized for various things that you do because however people come across you, these these type of recognitions give credibility Absolutely. And, and, and the reality is you're not going to be named the go-to person in an area of law on day one. So you have to build, you know, by the time I did that, I had given 300 presentations. I'd published 100 articles. I'd been interviewed a lot. And the newspaper that gave it to me had, had interviewed me about some of my cases. So they knew what I was doing. Um, but I do think it's important to get those types of things. And frankly, you know, that then there was a, an awards lunch. Uh, I had a, another thing actually where I won so a, a legal writing award. Yep. 
and the Legal Writing Award, actually the article that was published in a very minor publication, was then republished. I, I tease, I was the centerfold of the of the Missouri Lawyers Weekly one one edition, and it was the article that had won this award. And so for me, it was you know it was it was great to get the article out there, and it was also frankly just wonderful publicity. That is amazing. So I want to. I just want to distill down what we've talked about here, if we sure. can, so people can understand. It sounds to me like it's really two things. One, uh, you've you've really focused on picking a specific niche, and then you've also speak, right. You created a blog, or whether contributing to other places, but you're not just the expert, but you're putting your information out there so that people can see it, they can find you, whether whether that's on the internet or some other way. Absolutely. And the last thing I would say that people often forget is it's interesting in marketing and and the marketing people always talk about this. It's important to build the credibility, but the reality is when most people hire you, it's because they have the relationship. And so it's, it's, you know, interesting to realize you want to give the speeches, but also you want to then talk with the audience and, and, you know, follow up with audience members and stuff. So the people then, when someone is looking for that lawyer and they'll say, you know, I need an ethics lawyer, it's not just, hey, I remember there's some guy in St. Louis who does this, but rather I've met him. He's a nice guy. He can probably help you out. And so that relationship thing. And, and lawyers really struggle with that. A lot of lawyers are introverts. Yeah. But it's it's a really important thing to have to, to get a good flow of business. What if they, what if you are a bit of an introvert? What do you what do you do? Can you recommend just just get out there and just just start? You, you know, I think that, and I think the other thing to realize is it's okay to be an introvert. You know, one of the things, and, and I if you have a moment, I have a funny story. I was told Let's when you uh, when you go to a, a uh, networking event. If you don't have anyone to talk to, find the guy sort of on the fringe who's by themselves because the reality is they're probably uncomfortable. Yeah, they don't so if you go talk to them, you know, everybody's uncomfortable. So I was at this this event in St. Louis and there was a guy sort of standing on the fringe and I went over and started talking to him. I said, Oh, what do you do? He said, I work for the city. And I asked him another question. He said, Oh, I'm in the mayor's office. I said, Oh, what do you do? He said, I'm the mayor's bodyguard. And I said, Oops, I'm now, you know, and the mayor was there. And it was funny, I was now talking with his security detail. And I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll let you go. But I said, At least if, you know, <laughs> not, if, that's if, not if in a, your target market. No, but if a fight breaks out, I said, At least I know who, who to get Who's behind. got your back? Exactly. Yeah. So awesome. Well, it doesn't have, always go perfectly. Well, we only have a couple more minutes, but I, I want to go back to you know you're starting a new practice now. Yes. So so tell me what that experience has been like in, in terms of what you're doing to get the, the firm marketed. Oh sure. Well, and, the and I mean the, the answer is a lot. I help a lot of other lawyers start their firms, and one of the dangers I see sometimes is lawyers say I'm going to start my firm, and once I'm successful, then I'll go ahead and get a good website. I'll go ahead and do some marketing. The reality, though, is you often have the money to do those things up front, and if you don't have clients, you won't have money six months from now. So it's often good to really sort of start with a good plan. I I actually talked to some of the people in the law practice division who are marketers and said, what should I do to get ready? And the two big things they said was get all of my written stuff organized, which I did, and they also said get a good mailing list ready to go. And so I I hired a good website design company, someone that I knew knew the legal space well. Um, I went ahead and I have a great mailing list. Where do you get a mailing list? Is that something you've built up over time? I actually compiled my own. And, and because I'm so focused on an industry, I mean, I had, you know, my LinkedIn contacts. I have, I have 2,200 people on LinkedIn, so I could go through those and pull people out. I went through, like, the list of the largest law firms in the major cities where I'm active and took the, all the leaders of those law firms so I can contact them and really built the list from different lists and different resources. And I've got, I'm actually just about finalized right now with a card that will actually advertise my practice and tell people. When I say I'm a legal ethics lawyer, they don't really know what I do. So it says I do lawyer discipline, I do legal ethics, I help, I really am a, a lawyer for law firms, setting them up, you know, dealing with difficult clients. And so I've got that ready to go. I have actually two URLs reserved for uh, newsletters that I'll use that will actually be sort of recycling some of the stuff I've published elsewhere. 
Um, and, and I'm really sort of looking at it as being the whole picture. Yeah. And, and the other thing, frankly, that I did was I sat down and said, okay, if I'm going to build this firm, what do I need to convince the clients that I'm the right lawyer? And a lot of people said, well, you could just work out of your home. And I said, no. People that come to me often are facing losing their license. They need to know this is an established firm. It's got a nice office. It's got resources. And so, you know. Do they often come? And, and are your clients central, like focused in the St. Louis area? Or are you working with, with clients? It's, it's more regional, but certainly for a lot of the discipline cases, I do. I need to be able to at least be able to meet with people. And I didn't want to meet with them in my front room or at, you know, sure. the local restaurant. Well, this is great. Michael, thanks a lot for joining Absolutely. me today. Absolutely, thank you. Um, so it looks like we've reached the end of our program. So, Michael, uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. Do you have any, uh, if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they find you? The, the best way to find me is, is on the web at downeylawgroup.com, or I actually have a toll-free number, which is, you know, yeah. frankly not very expensive and a fun thing to do for your law firm, and that's 844-961-6644. And what about Twitter? Are you on Twitter? Uh, not really, but I probably will be more soon. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Michael. Absolutely. Thank you. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.